Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. My name is Jason Warren Griffiths. I'm the pastor here and about to be installed here. And I'm really grateful for each and every one of you being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to say that again. I have a couple announcements for us. One is that on Saturday we have our trunk or treat. That's this Saturday. Don't miss it. I heard it's amazing. I can't wait to experience some of these things for the first time. Next Sunday, it's Reformation Sunday. I'm going to be wearing a kilt which is, it's going to be kind of a fun experience for Jason. And then uh, it's also Stewardship Sunday. So we'll be coming forward and bringing our tithes and our offering and our pledges. So uh, and we'll hear a little bit more about that in, later in today's service when the Ewan family comes and shares what they've learned by giving to God's community. Um, the other last thing is at some point during the service, Make sure you pass the fellowship pads. And if you this is your first time here, I want to just express an extra special welcome. I'm glad you're here. And make sure you fill in your address, that kind of thing. We want to get to know you as you get to know me. Let's stand and greet one another in the name of the Lord. If everybody would please stand for this morning's call to worship. And one last announcement, after the first hymn, the children and the youth are dismissed to learn about God and go, grow in grace through their Sunday school program. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful Holy Spirit, we praise you for this moment, this, this time where we come, we drop ourselves and lift you higher in our lives. Be with us as we worship you. And all God's people said,
something really big up here. Anyways, please join me in the prayer of confession. Almighty God, by water and your Holy Spirit, you baptized us to be your own and call into be we confess that we hold back, that we love your spirit among us. We do not listen to your word of grace, of your love, or live as people made one in Christ. Have mercy on us, O God. Transform our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit and make strong our common witness to the one Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's take a minute for our personal quiet confessions. Hear the assurance of God's grace. God, who is rich in mercy, out of great love, even with which God has loved us, even when we were dead through our sin, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Amen. is Bianca Quesada, and I am a pastor to middle schoolers in the great city of Seattle, and I have known the Griffiths for 13 and a half years now. In the summer of 2006, I drove from Seattle to San Antonio, Texas to start my university ministries internship under Jason Warren Griffiths. The outgoing director had hired me, so the first time I met Jason, he was just leaving for a high school ministries trip, so it was a quick hi and bye and a big bear hug. And for the next two years, we worked together and we grew in ministry together. The Griffiths even housed me, which is how I became so close to the whole family. Together, we connected student leaders to one another. We planted ministries, made friends with college students, drove around the state of Texas and New England. We joined forces with other churches and departments. We went on mission trips, and we never wavered on our vision to see God's people stay close to him by doing life together. 
Sometimes the line blurred between what was work and what was fun, and that's what made it the golden years of ministry, as Jason puts it. Now, before this just becomes a complete love fest, I want to implicate you, people of Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, Costa Mesa, California. You are an answer to prayer. Right here is the intersection of God's people praying and listening and acting with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, bringing together your path with the Griffiths' path. And this is why I chose Paul's introductory thanksgiving and prayer to the Ephesians for today's text, which we're going to get into in a moment. And a lot, a lot of times, I'll just speak for myself, but a lot of times I just do a quick glance, a skim of the flowery niceties that start most of Paul's letters. I don't know if you know any middle schoolers, but they are very literal. They do not do nuanced, abstract pronouncements. My people are concrete thinkers, able to conclude meaning in any linear narrative story. So truly, the only story Jason wants me to tell you is about the time I gave my first talk in front of the college students, and I said I grew up in the church. (laughs) Not literally in the pews of a church, but I grew up going to church, in case that was confusing. And that's how I knew that 11 to 14-year-olds should be my primary audience from then on out. Anyway, it had been a while since I read a patented Paul preamble and thought, wow, this is really good. Churches speaking to one another, some traveling great distances to be together. One is the other's answered prayer, and the gospel is never far behind. I get excited every time I read it, so let's read it now. Um, You have Bibles in your pews, so you can flip with me, or it's right here, yes, uh, the Ephesians. So we are in Ephesians chapter 1, and we are, I guess I will read to you uh, verses 15 through 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not, not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ The glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. And I told you, it is a powerful text. I'm going to mention three things I noticed in the text, sprinkle in some Jason stories, and assure you that you have made the right decision. And then I'm going to sit down. The three things I noticed in this passage are your faith, in my faith, 
in our faith. Paul writes eloquently about all three, and I think we have a lot to learn from them. One, your faith inspires me. Two, my faith knows that there is power. And three, our faith spans space and time. So let's get into it. Number one, your faith inspires me. In verse 15 and 16, Paul says, Ever since I heard about you, your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That is a tongue twister for me for some reason. Every list I have ever seen on ways to maintain happiness always include thanksgiving. Whether the study is done by a person of faith or is a pop science listicle, an article that is also a list, gratitude always makes the cut. The ability to think outside of your circumstances and recognize that you are glad something exists rather than doesn't exist is a proven mood enhancer. And I don't know if you know this, but Jason and I have a podcast with our friend Greg. Uh, we, we know him from San Antonio. And the title of the podcast is This Week in Gratitude. So you can look it up later. Uh, every week we record our conversation where we just enumerate the shows and the movies and the God moments and lessons in life that we are grateful for. So you are undoubtedly getting a man who practices what he preaches. One thing I want to add to my list this week is you. I am grateful for you. Ever since I heard about this congregation calling my friends Jason and Malia to serve with your church, I am glad you exist. We had prayed for you. We had knowledge that pastors did get called to their dream jobs, but until you, we were just taking it on faith. But here you were, listening to the Holy Spirit, putting your best people on the case, and acting on Jesus' call for us to be the church together. Your faithfulness inspires me. Paul is saying, don't forget that we need each other. When I think I have little to be grateful for, I think of you. When my community can't pull together the resources to support a beloved leader, I look to you. When things aren't going my way, I remember that God works in, un in unfathomable ways in previously unknown people to strengthen our faith. Number two, my faith knows there is power. These are the things Paul prays for in, for the church of Ephesus, that the Spirit provides wisdom and revelation, and that the eyes of their hearts are enlightened. And just imagine once again what a concrete thinking adolescent would be envisioning with us, the eyes of hearts enlightened. But what I think he means here is you are able to recognize hope when it's placed right in front of you. Paul prays on, that they know their inheritance from Father God is rich and glorious and unlike any power they've ever seen before. Now this is the part I love. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. I love how the good news of Jesus' conquest of death is always front and center. None of this faith in others, trust in God, power, glory, honor, amen, makes any sense, is worth our praise without the absolute truth of Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection from the scariest thing that life can throw at us. 
My hope is built on nothing less than this. And now back to power. Have you ever thought about that before? When you make a request to God, please let me find a parking spot, or please let them go get into that school that they want to, or please don't have this person talk to me. <laughs> you are asking of the same power who is unbounded by time and space and even the end of life. This makes me want to pray bolder have faith in the God who raised Jesus from the dead and pray for that dream job, for the resources you need, for the restoration that you seek. I don't pretend to understand the mechanics of what goes our way and what doesn't, but I hope that doesn't stop us from invoking the God who rules over the natural and spiritual realms. My faith has power, and I know yours does too. Number three, our faith spans space and time. Paul goes on and expands on how far and wide is the span of Jesus' influence. And you may be most interested in the scope occupying your home address, or your neighborhood block, or even your whole town or state or your country sometimes. But Jesus' range of power cannot be limited. The message translation takes Paul's words in verses 20 and 21 and paints a beautiful picture. The translator Eugene Peterson writes, all this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. Think of the friends you have had for years and years maybe decades, maybe your whole life. My guess is that at some points in your friendship, you have been separated physically. Either a move distanced you, or it was a misunderstanding that kept you from wanting to occupy the same room for some time. If you've been friends with this person for long enough, perhaps you've even grieved over a loss together. A mutual friend passed away, or a family member that you only knew from the other's stories. Perhaps you and this friend have yourselves been separated by that veil that achingly divides the living and the dead. This too our God seeks to restore and has restored for all people. Your church may have gone through some losses in its time, some distant, some recent, but I assure you the man God has called to lead this congregation knows that grief full well. Although he would never ask for these trials, maybe even pleaded to God to take the cup from him. He endured the pain with his family and friends and has become a better leader for it. And I love that you don't know whether I'm talking about Jason or Jesus right here, but I know we can all benefit from looking more and more like our Savior. I want to illustrate the fact that Jason Griffiths knows that space and time does not separate the church that God calls us into. While we were serving in San Antonio together, Jason gets a grand idea to plan a road trip around Texas. He wants to visit the church's youth who have stayed in state for college. Now, is this the high school minister's job or the college minister's job? If you're Jason, it doesn't matter. <laughs> who cares? These kids need to know God loves them and their home church is thinking of them. Then you gas up the church blazer and you convince three church leaders to join you 
and then you traverse one of this nation's largest states for a full week. Honestly, we took this trip three months after I started working there, and never, ever, never since have I felt more like Barnabas to Jason's Paul. Is he Jesus or is he Paul? <laughs> you can decide. Just like the apostles and Acts, we traveled around a desolate landscape, bringing words of encouragement and free food to people who felt alone while they were starting a new thing in their life. Jason knows that our God doesn't allow space and time to separate us from our love for one another, and he's acted on this knowledge his whole life. The number of his old friends and current friends and future friends that I have been introduced to are countless. I think Paul is pointing us to this challenge. God is not constrained by geographic distances, generational differences, or even death itself. Let us all act on this belief. So lastly, you, church, we, church, have been identified at the end of Paul's greeting to the Ephesians. He states, God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Everything in every way, no big deal. I know you've heard it before, but it's worth repeating. We are the arms and the legs and the hands, and we speak the words of Jesus to a hurting world. If you think Jesus should do it, you should do it. We are the fullness of Jesus who fills everything with his presence. Although it may seem like the church is on the outside, peering into what the world has for us, it's actually the opposite. We are the embodiment, embodiment of the hope Jesus provides the whole world, sent out to change the world. This is a big ask, but we have each other to help us through. Those far away from Costa Mesa, those saints who have gone before us, and the future saints as well. We are the church of the living Christ, light in dark confusion, salt in a bland meal, Continue to pray for others and to act as if you were the embodiment of Jesus himself. And continue to remember those who walked alongside you to get you here, to this place. I am grateful for the reminder of my purpose and our purpose, and a reminder of the work of the Holy Spirit to bring all people and situations to the kingdom of God. So thank you for bringing me here to do the things that I love brag about my friends, hang out with the Griffiths, and remind people that you are loved by God and those whom God has put in your life. Most things I know about ministry I learned from Jason, how he loves his church, how he loves his family, and how he loves this powerful and generous God that we serve. I look forward to hearing more about you and praying for you as our families grow closer to one another and to our Savior Jesus Christ because of that glorious inheritance that we've received, we have the privilege of going before our God in prayer with all of our many requests. Hear me now. Loving God, you have told us to seek and keep on seeking, to knock and to keep on knocking, and to ask and keep on asking. And so we come before you seeking knocking and asking 
knowing that you will hear and answer our prayers. You have taught us in our prayers to remember the needs of all people. And so we come in the name of your son, Jesus, and bring the needs of the church, the world, and all in need to your loving care. Strengthen this congregation in its work and worship. Fill our hearts with your self-giving love that our voices may speak your love and our lives conform to the actions of your Son. As Pastor Jason is formally installed this morning, we also pray for his family as they too become incorporated in the life and ministry of this church. We pray that you will strengthen this nation to pursue just priorities so that races may be reconciled, the young educated and the old cared for, the hungry filled and the homeless housed, and the sick comforted and healed. May we truly be a nation under God. Guide and direct the leaders of our nation that they may rule with fairness, justice, and goodwill, defending the oppressed. We pray for protection of the innocent. We pray for peace in the world, even as we are so aware of the areas of strife. Our concern today goes particularly to Syria, as the brief ceasefire or pause with Turkey appears to have a rocky start, and we see refugees seeking safe haven, the Kurds trying to protect the people, and the U.S. planning sanctions against Turkey. We continue to pray for that ISIS is eradicated, and we so pray for peace in that war-torn land. Lord Jesus, as of old, the sick were brought to you for healing. So in our prayers, we bring to you the sick in body, mind, and spirit, knowing of your love and healing power. Hear our prayers for those in anxious times, times of decision-making or uncertainty. Give them trust as they put themselves in your daily care and keeping. Heal the sick, strengthen the weak, comfort the sorrowful, send friends to the lonely. Give shelter in the comfort of your wings to all who need it. Be with all families who bear the burdens of those they love. Open our eyes to the needs around us and open our hearts to respond as you would have us do, that we may be doers of your word. Eternal God, you create us by your power and redeem us by your love. Guide and strengthen us by your spirit that we may give ourselves in love and service to one another and to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
As we approach Stewardship Sunday, I've invited Scott and Terry Ewan uh, to just share what God has been teaching them about giving to the church. Uh, and actually, Stewardship Sunday is next Sunday. I just wanted to remind you again. And you want to use this or you want to use the podium? <laughs> well, I will stand next to you. Too. Philip is the podium. So, oh, thank good you. morning, PCC. Uh, again. I'm Scotty, this is my wife Terry, and we've been asked to speak about our uh, tithing testimony, which uh, in light of this, this wonderfully important day for Jason in our church, we'll try to keep it brief. So uh, understand this, in our house, we view uh, our treasure, I'm sorry, we view our tithe as a combination of time, talent, and treasure. And so we're gonna, for today, we're going to talk about the treasure portion of that. And uh, we also consider our treasure as a gift from God um, entirely, 100%. And, and as such, we also view giving back through our tithe uh, as, a, as an act of trust. And that God is going to uh, use our gift back to further his kingdom. So... What we've experienced is over the, over the last few years, uh, as our trust has grown, and quite frankly, when I say our trust, I mean my trust, uh, <laughs> we have experienced uh, one of the scriptures that uh, just played out in our lives. And uh, that scripture is Malachi 3.10, which uh, says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and I love this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So this scripture is telling us that when we trust and obey God to give back to him what he gave to us, he will bless us abundantly. Uh, we won't even have enough room to store all the blessings that he's going to bestow on us if we do this. And I want to read the verses that go right before this that Scott read. God says in the verses right before, verse 8, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And notice here that God doesn't curse us. We curse ourselves because we don't give back. We bring it on to ourselves. So we miss out because we don't trust. We miss out on the blessings that he has ready to give us. So we have a story about this. Um, several years ago, a friend confided in me that she was short on her rent. And she was short $250.52. And so as she told me the story, she didn't ask me for the money. She was just telling me because we were close. So immediately I thought that if we could help her with her rent, but I didn't say anything to her because I wanted to come home and talk with Scotty about it first and pray about it. So I came home, we talked about it, and we prayed about it. And a few days later in the mail, completely unexpectedly, we got a check. And guess how much it was for? It was for $250.52. So 
we found like this is such a blessing. This is how God blesses. He blessed our friend because he took care of her and he took care of her rent and her situation. He blessed us because we were able to give her that joy and share in that joy, be able to give her that money and share in her joy. He blessed us because he, um, there was no question that he was the sovereign Lord over the situation that, uh, yes, I am telling you exactly how much I'm giving and who we knew who that was for. We were blessed because he trusted us to give her that money. He trusted us with his money to get to his target, our friend, that we would do the right thing and, and continue his work here, uh, continue his work here. So, and then we were blessed because we believe that we were blessed with a blessing like that because God trusts us with his money. And part of that trust is being built through your tithes and your offering and how you use God's money. Then he trusts you to do his kingdom work for him. And that is a blessing. So we got all of those blessings because of us being in a trusting relationship with God about money. And then ultimately God was blessed because we gave him the glory. We absolutely knew that that situation was completely um, sovereignly handled by the Lord himself. And one other thing. Um, as the scripture says, test me in this. What a beautiful challenge. I love that. You know, he's, God is, is he's calling us out. And he's saying, who's going to outgive more, you or me? And I'm putting, you know, I'm thinking he will. But <laughs> my question to you, after all this, my question to you guys, are you ready for blessings? And, and, and if so, man, accept his challenge. So that's our story. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Now it's part of the service where we give back to God. We respond. Thank you for bringing such an amazing word, B. Um, and thank you so much for everybody. I just, I, I, I want to interject because this is where we respond with our gratitude. And this is part of my tithe is just saying thank you, thank you, thank you. This is a dream. And God checked every box and said, hey, you're turning 45, maybe you should get some stuff that you've been asking for for a long time. And uh, I've been through some deep valleys. Anywho, I don't know, this doesn't fit in the service. This isn't anywhere on your thing. I'm here to call for the offering and the tithes, but I also want to say that any loose change offering goes towards seminarian students. And P.S., if you have any loose change, throw it in here because this got me through seminary years. This morning's tithes and offerings are now received.
be with you. It is such a joy to be here today to celebrate the installation of Pastor Jason Warren Griffiths as the uh, head of staff and pastor of Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. Always a joy for me to be back here. I've worked with so many of you over the years, and it's wonderful that you are at this, at this point. You as a congregation have discerned that Jason is called to this church, and you have welcomed him and his family into your church family. We are grateful for the ministry of PCC, and we are grateful that you are part of the Los Ranchos Presbytery family as well. We covenant to support one another in prayer, in dialogue, and in continued mutual work. So I will read the statement on the ministry of the church. Is that going to be on the? Okay. The other response? Yes, okay, I just want to, I was just following along and I want to make sure it was all up there. All right. As in one body, we have many members and not all of the members have the same function. Please respond. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Ministry in ministering, the exhorter in exhortation, the leader in diligence. Let us not lag in zeal, but be ardent in spirit serving the Lord. We are called out by God to be the Church of Jesus Christ, a sign in the world today of the new life that God intends for us all. In our life together, we are to display the new reality that sin is forgiven, reconciliation accomplished, and the dividing walls of hostility torn down. As the living body of Christ, the Church is called to proclaim the good news of salvation, to present the claims of the gospel on people's lives, and to demonstrate Christ's love in service to the world. We are called to undertake this mission, even at the risk of life, trusting God in all things. In faith, we embrace a new openness to what God is doing in our time, a renewed obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ, and a new joy in our common worship and work. Today, we reclaim our historic calling and remember the great ends of the Church. 
together. The proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of humankind, the shelter, nurture, and spiritual fellowship of the children of God, the maintenance of divine worship, the preservation of the truth, the promotion of social righteousness, and the exhibition of the kingdom of heaven to the world. The ministry of the Church is shared by pastor and people, so that all together may fulfill the mission to which we are called in Jesus Christ. The particular responsibility of the ministry of the Word and Sacrament is to build up the Church and serve the people of God, so that the Word may be rightly proclaimed and the sacraments rightly celebrated. The call of the ministry has been extended by the congregation, accepted by the candidate, and approved by the presbytery. Therefore, the presbytery of Los Ranchos, by means of this commission, now installs Jason Warren Griffiths as pastor of the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. I would like to invite members of the administrative commission to join me on the chancel with Jason. In his baptism, Jason was clothed with Christ. He was ordained to the ministry of the Word and Sacrament by the San Gabriel Presbytery and is now called by God through the voice of the Church to serve as pastor of this congregation. We enjoy our calling to serve Christ and we celebrate God's call to our brother to serve among us as pastor. Jason, I have a number of constitutional questions to ask of you now. Do you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him as Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I do. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the Church Universal and God's Word to you? I do. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our Church as authentic and reliable expositions of what Scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? I do and I will. Will you be a minister of the word and sacrament in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of scripture and continually be guided by the confessions? I will. Will you be governed by our church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? I will. Will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the word, world? I'm sorry. I will. Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? I do. Will you seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? I will. And finally, 
Will you be a faithful minister, proclaiming the good news in word and sacrament, teaching faith and caring for people? Will you be active in government and discipline, serving the governing bodies of the church? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? I will. I'd like to invite Gwen Black to ask the, the, would you like to use this or would you like to come to Okay. She will pose the uh, questions to the congregation. All right, ACC, now it's your turn. See if we can uh, share your enthusiasm and vocalism as much as Jason has so far. <laughs> we will. <laughs> chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to guide us in the way of Jesus Christ. We do. we agree to encourage him to respect his decisions and to follow as he guides us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is the head of the church? We do. Do we promise to pay him fairly and provide for his welfare as he works among us, to stand by him in trouble and share his joy? Will we listen to the word he preaches, welcome his pastoral care, and honor his authority as he seeks to honor and obey Jesus Christ, our Lord? We do. We will now do a prayer and laying on of hands. So I invite Presbytery members, elders, and teaching elders, if you are able, forward during the laying of hands and the prayer, which Sharon and I will share. Friends, as you heard earlier in Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love of all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. Today, we give thanks for the gifts of Jason Griffiths and to the Lord who has called him to this loving congregation. Give him a full measure of the gifts of your Holy Spirit, both in the walk of faith and for the work of ministry. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon this congregation and its people that baptized into your service and united in Christ's love, they may serve you with joy and faithfulness until all things are made new. Gracious God, we praise you that you have chosen servants in every age to speak your word and lead your loyal people. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Today we give thanks that Jason has been sent to labor in this congregation, and we ask your blessings on him. And now if the congregation would join in the final part of this prayer. We give you thanks for your servant, Jason Warren Griffiths, and for the ministry to which you have called him. Anoint Jason with power to proclaim the gospel in word and sacrament, in witness and in service, in truth and in love, for the building up of the people of God and for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jason, as a minister of the word and sacrament 
in the Church of Jesus Christ, you are now installed as pastor of this congregation. Be faithful and true in your ministry so that your whole life will bear witness to the crucified and risen Christ. Amen. I welcome Pastor Mike. everybody. I'm Mike Decker. Say hello, Mike Decker. So I, this is not the first time I've been in this church. This is probably not even the first time I've spoken in this church. I've spoken actually in this church on three different occasions. The last time was for the funeral of a close, close family friend, Ken Bauermeister, some of you may know. So this is way happier than the last time I was here. Just to give you some context for my, uh, my words today, I've been a pastor in the city for over 30 years. Uh, I'm 57 years old. I got two old daughters, 28 and 30 years old, so uh, I'm an old guy. Uh, first moved here in 1989, my wife and I, we served at Harbor Trinity Church just up the street for 10 years. And then in 2000, we planted a church called Palm Harvest, and we kind of tilled the concrete over at Costa Mesa High School where the narrative is, where Daniel and, and uh, Scott now are serving. And six years ago, we moved over to the west side of town into Eagle Territory, which has created a bit of a stir when you're a Mustang. And uh, we serve at, uh, on the corner of Wilson and Placentia with five other congregations, uh, Marshallese congregation, four Hispanic congregations, and we're, we're the Anglo congregation. So um, the church is people. The church is not a building. The church is not walls. It's not classrooms. It's, not, it's, it's you and it's me. So turn to, your, turn to your neighbor and say, you're the church. So we are the church. This morning I've been invited to give a charge to my brother Jason. Jason is a friend of mine. I consider him a friend. I've known him for many years. He loves Jesus. Would you agree with that? And so Jason, the big idea of of my challenge to you today is follow Jesus' example. Follow Jesus' example. If you have a Bible with you this morning, whether it's in written or digital form, I invite you to turn to the the Gospel of John chapter 13. I want to start with the foundation for where my thoughts come today. John chapter 13. I'm going to read just the first several verses, and then we're going to unpack them and give a, a charge to our brother today. So, If you don't have a Bible, you want to just picture the scene in your mind, please do so. John chapter 3, I'm going to start reading at verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. I think it's really cool here that Jesus has got the goods. God, it's, the Bible tells us that Jesus has given, been given all the authority. Think about that. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's got it right there. The very thing that the devil promised to give Jesus three and a half years earlier when he did battle with Jesus in the wilderness, if you just bow before me, the devil told Jesus, I will give you all this splendor. And Jesus said, nah, it's not your your place to give it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to do my due diligence. But now we read that all authority, I mean, Jesus is king of the, 
He's at the top of the totem pole, king of the hill. All authority has been given to him. And notice what he does. Verse 4. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. But Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to be washed except for his feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, Jesus put on his robe again and he sat down and he asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So, Jason, there's three things that I want to charge you with this morning as we think about these words that Jesus gives to his disciples. And first and foremost, the big idea is to follow Jesus' example. And in this this story, there's lots of things, tidbits that we can pull away from, but I have three for you today. Number one, as you step into this charge as the lead shepherd, the lead pastor, the top dog maybe organizationally in some ways, wash feet. Be the kind of leader that washes feet. You know, there's going to be a come a day when you're going to come on this campus and someone's going to say, hey, pastor, the toilet's plugged. It happens. When you have people use the toilets, they get plugged. Be the kind of leader that doesn't just delegate that dirty job to somebody else. Don't be the kind of leader that just calls up rotor rooter. Be the kind of leader that first rolls up his sleeves, goes to the janitor's closet, grabs a grabs a punger, and goes into the toilet to see if he can f- save the church some money. Do the job that, that other people do. Just because you're at the top of the food chain, wash feet. What we see here in Jesus is, is he does what's counterintuitive. It was a job of the servant. That's why the, they were so caught off guard by this, this, this king with all the authority given to him. I mean, if there was ever a time when Jesus didn't have to wash feet, now is it. And yet with all that authority, he wraps a towel around his waist, and he sets an example for his disciples. He sets an example for you and for me what a a servant leader looks like. Wash feet. When you roll into this parking lot in your car, and as you're walking to to the building and you notice there's trash out in the parking lot, don't just think, oh, I need to ask Susie to go pick that up. No, Pick it up. Pursue the, peruse the parking lot because you know there's going to be trash. There always is. You're right next to a soccer field that's one of the greatest missionary fields in the city. People leave their stuff. Why people do that, we don't know. Be a servant foot-washing leader. Follow Jesus' example. Wash feet. 
Second thing I want to charge you with today to consider practicing as you step into this role as pastor for PCC is to encourage pushback. Encourage pushback. I love, I love in this story how Peter pushed back. He didn't just take Jesus at face value. He didn't just say, Jesus, yeah, sure, wash my feet. Peter pushed back. And I suspect it wasn't the first time that Peter and Jesus had a bit of a disagreement. Now, I'm not saying surround yourself by negative people. You know, you've had people in your life, and I've had people in my life, and maybe some of you have too. They say, well, Pastor Mike, I just say it the way it is. You know, I don't pull any punches. I just, I just tell it the way it is. And I say, you know what, know what? You're mean. You're a bully. There's a way to tell it the way it is. There's a way to be honest and authentic with love and with grace and generosity and kindness. Don't just tell it the way it is and and hurt people's feelings. I'm not encouraging you to to circle yourself around with those kind of people. But I am encouraging you to encourage you to have people around you who have strong opinions. You know, we read earlier, and and Bianca referenced 1 Corinthians 12. Where the church is the body, the hand and the leg and the foot. And the, you can't say the hand can't say the leg, I don't need you, right? That's what the Apostle Paul says. We need each other. Ecclesiastes talks about how two are better than one. And, and when your difference of opinion, if I surround myself, if you surround with yourself with people, who strong leaders who have a difference of opinion and you've already created this, this, this culture of servanthood and we're going to listen to each other and we're going to give each other space and we're going to create this, this atmosphere where we can love on each other even though we don't always agree with one another, but your idea coupled with my idea oftentimes, and you've probably experienced it to be true, creates even a better idea than either one of us could have come up with on ourselves. So don't be afraid of conflict. Don't be afraid of, of, of having disagreements. In fact, I would encourage you and your, 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 your lead team, whatever that looks like, to have people, to encourage people. What do you think? And what do you think? And what do you think? And let's hear from you because your perspective is going to be different from my perspective. But as we all collectively come together and as we put it to towel around our waist and we seek to serve, seek to understand before trying to be understood, your ministry as a shepherd your ministry as a pastor is going to be one that's going to empower people. And you're going to get the best out of people. And it's going to be more about them and less about you. Be a leader who follows Jesus' example, who washes people's feet, and encourages pushback. And thirdly, I, I, would, I would challenge you today as you step into this role here at PCC is to raise the bar. I love how Jesus, you know, he, he gives Peter's space, you know, and, and, and then at the end of this conversation with Peter, he says, well, Peter, you know, that's all good and well, but you got to follow what I wanted, what I'm telling you here, because if you follow what I'm telling you, the last verse says, you'll be blessed by it. You know, one of the challenges of being a pastor, being a shepherd, one of the joys of being a pastor and being a shepherd is you get to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and your mind and your heart is troubled with what's happening in the lives of your people. You're going to have information about people. You're going to have information about decisions that this congregation is is facing that nobody else is going to have. That's the joy of being a pastor. When you're in the fetal position, you're saying, God, I don't know what to do here. And your heart is breaking and people are misunderstanding you because you can't tell them about it. Raise the bar. There will be a times when you need to make a decision. You're going to be in a group of people, and you're going to listen. You're going to get their feedback, and you're going to hear from them as a body of Christ. And, and, and then you're going to have to make a call that not everybody's going to like. 
And you're going to have to make a call say, we're going to go in this direction, and people are going to say mean things about you, and they would, this church probably wouldn't. You know why they wouldn't? Because they're led by a pastor who washes people's feet. They're going to know that you love them. They're going to know that, that you, you, you have their best interests in mind. And most importantly, they're going to know that you love Jesus. Church, Jason Griffiths, Warren Griffiths, is an incredible man. I'm not, my charge isn't to you, but what you have here in this pastor is an amazing pastor. His heart for God is so soft. His heart for God is so in tune with the Holy Spirit. And he will love you. Jason Griffiths is a foot-washing, Jesus-following radical. You know, Jason... In this church for many, many years, Tim McCalmont, was, he's a superstar. Tim's a friend of mine. He's a friend of yours, a friend of many of ours. Guys like Tim don't come along very often either, but you're in his mold. You have this soft spirit about you, and yet there's this, you have this unique signature that is so cool and loving, and I just want to say raise the bar. Listen to people, wash their feet, encourage people to, to give their best, but raise the bar. Lead this church. And I pray selfishly. I've had the privilege of serving in the city for 30 years. I've been the lead chaplain for the police department for 25 years. And I pray that 30 years from today, we will sit and we will celebrate three decades of ministry as God has used you and used your church family, the church's people, used us together to bring the love of Jesus to our neighbors. I bless you, my brother, In the name of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, for his kingdom glory. The journey continues, huh? He makes people better who are around him. Truly spiritual, really loves the Lord. Personal, personal life is authentic. Jason is a people person. God uses him to not only talk about what it is to be a Christian, but Jason shows what it looks like. Jason is a person I'd want to take with me on a vacation. Genuine, upfront, no pretense, They both have a great gift. Jason has never met a stranger. So these are the exact phrases that references shared with us as the APNC for San Reno Community Church back in 2012. I'm so excited for what you all are about to experience. You have as your pastor a very special individual who will inspire you in many ways. So back in 2012, we had a few questions for Jason, and two of them he answered as follows. They're going to tell you a lot about Jason Warren Griffiths. In reply to what's the most satisfying aspect of ministry, Jason wrote, it's a tie. One, I love making connections with people. Whether it's getting to know a stranger or introducing two people who need to know each other. And two, I love seeing unrefined talent in people, exposing it, 
and then equipping so God shines through the individual. We learned, too, that Jason loves to preach. It was crazy good. He keeps you on your feet. You may not always know where he's going next. At times, I'm not sure he does either. (laughs) But when Jason got done, we all knew we heard something special. We all heard Jesus loudly in his sermons. I know that Jason awakened God in me. And he's now doing that for you. The second question Jason answered was, what's least satisfying in ministry? He replied, it too is a tie. Attending poorly run meetings, this is life draining to me. And two, excessive politicking and bureaucracy. So if there's one area I want to encourage you to support Jason, it's being there for him and taking care of the church business side of things, the operational details, the mundane tasks that don't involve relating with people. See, with Jason, you do have a game changer. One who will inspire, will challenge your faith, and lead your church community. Be all in. Be all in with him, as he will certainly be all in to serve you. Then sit back and enjoy Jason Warren Griffiths share Jesus' message with you each week. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, again, yet again, uh, for showing up and being here. And I want to return thanks and send you out with a a benediction. Uh, First, the thanks. God, I just, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you. I'm unworthy, and you are so worthy. Lead on, O King Eternal. And all God's people said, may God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen.